0: Well, the story of Jesus, we've been studying it in uh, our churches for years. We've been talking about it here at Bear Creek for uh, about a year, studying through the Gospel of Mark. I'm not going to be in the Gospel of Mark today. It's just amazing that almost 2,000 years ago, uh, a man was baptizing down in the Jordan River, and down from Nazareth came this uh, 30-year-old man and he said, uh, so that all righteousness might be fulfilled, I will be baptized too. And John, the baptizer, said to him, well, I'm the one needs to be baptized by you, not you by me. Because he said, I'm not even worthy to unloose the straps of your sandals. But Jesus said, no, it's right for me to be baptized because I want to identify completely and fully with the people that I love. And then he began his ministry, and he healed broken bodies. He healed broken hearts. He healed broken homes, broken hopes. And uh, he made it clear that the three great fears and enemies of man, he, was, he had come to do something about. It. He come to deal with the guilt of the past. You think, all of us, the Bible says, all have sinned fallen short of God's glory God's ideal God's glorious ideal for us it's just true everybody every age and every place has has sinned and there's this guilt that plagues them Now I know I've met some young people say well I don't feel guilty well just give it time you will yeah you will and if you're if you're tiptoeing through the tulips now and just saying, "Oh, you know, I'm okay. I, I I don't have any sin. I don't I don't feel guilty. I'm not a sinner." Just wait a little while, and uh, it'll begin to creep into your consciousness. I've really messed my life up. I've made choices that I knew I shouldn't make, and even though I justified them, and even though I tried to make it okay, there's something kind of gnawing at me on the inside. How do I get rid of that? I can't go back. My rewind button doesn't work, and I can't go back and and undo what I've already done. And not just the things I've done, the attitudes I've had, the thoughts I've had, the motives I've had. There's just so much I've messed up in my life. How do I get rid of that? Jesus said, that's why I've come. I've come to take all that guilt, all that condemnation, all that sin, and I'm going to absorb it into my own self. And then I'm going to pay for it with the most cruel and vicious death in the history of the world. So I've come to take care of your past, but I've also come to provide help for your present, see once we're once we know we're forgiven, we still have to live, don't we? We still have to deal with the, the hard issues of life. How do I do that? How how do I love when I'm hated? How do I forgive when I'm insulted? How do I how do I have the strength to go on? And Jesus said, hey, "I've come for that too. I've come to actually live in you." so that my strength can be your strength, so that you can be able to say, I can do all things that God wants me to do through the power of Christ who lives in me. So I've come to take care of your past. (laughs) I've come to take care of your present. You say, yeah, but, but you know, as I get older, I wonder what's going to happen when I die. And Jesus said, hey, I've come for that too. As a matter of fact, when I died and they buried me in that tomb, I took care of your sin on the cross and then when I came out of the tomb, I demonstrated a power that would help you in your present but I also gave you a guarantee that because I live, you will also live. And that death could not hold me, and death cannot hold you, and I have come to free you from the fear of death, from the guilt of the past, from the weakness of the present, and from the fear and hopelessness of the future. That's why I've come. And so we read the story, and the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're told the story of the life of Jesus, how they went about healing people, doing amazing miracles to demonstrate that he, in fact, was who he said he was. And then he died. Then he was buried. And by the way, during the time that he was teaching, he gathered to himself 12 special apostles, and he taught them daily. And then he had others that were disciples too, people that joined and followed. And one time he sent out as many as 70 and, uh, and these people heard him teach, and they listened to him. And, uh, and as he taught, he would say to them things like this. Now, I'm going to die. I'm going to be turned over to wicked men, and I'm going to be killed. But don't be afraid, because I'll rise again from the dead. And the disciples just... Just went totally over their head. They just didn't have a clue. I guess you know, it just didn't make sense. You know, the, in the first place they were looking for a Messiah who was going to come and help them overcome the political bondage they were in and overthrow Rome and 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 set them free. That's what they were thinking. And Jesus kept trying to say to them, no, "I haven't really come for that." I've come for something much greater than that. I've come to set people free from sin, not from Rome. But just they didn't get it. And then he was arrested. And then he was crucified. Then he was buried. And then, as our scripture reading this morning said, that early the next morning, Sunday morning, women went to the tomb and the stone this huge massive stone was rolled away the tomb was open but the tomb was empty and when they went into the tomb and they were looking for Jesus they were asked why are you seeking the living among the dead he's not here he has risen just like he said that he would. Now, you would think that the apostles and all of his disciples, when Mary came back and said, Hey, guys, guess what? Jesus is alive. You would think they would all just be jumping up and down and saying, We knew it. That's what he said. And they would go running out to... That's not what happened. As a matter of fact, they told the women to just be quiet. Just don't be silly. Now, Peter and John did go to the tomb, and they couldn't find him either. But then their question was, I wonder who stole his body. And uh, so that day, Resurrection Day, that Sunday, this Sunday, was not the day that they started to As a matter of fact, the text that i want to read to you is found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, beginning with verse 13. This This is Resurrection Day. This is Sunday. I mean, the women have already come in, told them this. Now, behold, two of them, that is, two of the disciples, not the apostles, but two of the believers in Jesus, were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, that's just west of Jerusalem, seven miles from Jerusalem. So they were on the road walking these two men. and they talked together of all these things that had happened. They had been they said, you know, uh, as while they conversed and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Now here they are walking, they're talking about all the stuff that's happened, about Jesus being arrested and flogged and crucified and buried, and they're talking about it. And then all of a sudden, a third traveler comes along with them, and, and it's Jesus. Now, it says their eyes were restrained so that they, they didn't recognize who he was. Now, that's kind of amazing. They, they knew Jesus, but I can think of several reasons why they might not have recognized him. One, they certainly weren't expecting him. I mean, you know, when I buried my mother 18 years ago and I came back to Ovilla, if she had come walking up to me, I would have thought, that lady looks a lot like mother. But I certainly wouldn't have thought it was her. And I think that that's one reason they just... They may have thought, this guy looks a little familiar. They were also walking west. It was an afternoon. The sun was right in their eyes, so maybe that was one reason. I don't know. And then the Bible just says that their, their eyes were restrained. Jesus just didn't want them to know who he was at that time. But Then it gets more interesting. He said to them, what are you guys talking about? What kind of conversation is this that you have one with another as you walk and are sad said so what are you what are you guys talking about you look so sad what's what's going on and one of them whose name was cleopas answered and said to him are you the only stranger in jerusalem and have not known these things that have happened in these days I said where have you been you you may, you must be the only person in town that doesn't know what's happened and Jesus said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, he was a prophet, mighty indeed. Man, you should have seen the things he could do, and in word, the things that he taught before God and all the people. Oh, and our chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death. They crucified him. Jesus is just, yeah, okay, and what else? And we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us, I bet. And when they didn't find his body, they came saying that they had seen a vision of angels. And they said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us, he's talking about Peter and John here, went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they didn't see him. And then Jesus said to them, this is, said, Oh foolish ones and slow of heart, to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. And I, I think he was nice, because Jesus, I don't think, would be rude. But it was like, you dummies. <laughs> he probably didn't say it that way. <laughs> he, but he said, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart, you're dull. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things to enter into his glory? Why are you surprised? And then beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, it doesn't say that he told them all the things in the scriptures pertaining to himself or they'd have been there for a week or two. But he said he showed them how that in all the scriptures the things were concerning himself. And then they drew near to the village where they were going. They had had about a seven-mile walk. And he indicated that he would have gone on further. He was like, see you guys, I'm, I'm going on. And But they constrained him and they said, no, stay with us. It's toward evening and the day is far spent and so he went in to stay with them and it came to pass as he sat at the table he took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them and an amazing thing happened their eyes were opened and they knew him and then he vanished From their sight. And they said to one another, Didn't our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? Wouldn't you love to have been on that little walk? I go to Bible conferences sometimes. I love to go to Bible conferences, but this is one I wish I could have been at. What a Bible conference. Jesus said to them, you know, do you not understand that the Messiah, the Christ, didn't come to defeat a political power? Don't you understand that the Bible teaches from the very beginning that there had to be a blood sacrifice, there had to be a death, the Messiah had to suffer yeah. in order to enter into his glory. Yeah. And I've just kind of pictured that as he walked along with them, telling them this, he might have put an arm around each of them and said, you guys remember, I know you've read your Bible. Yes. Oh, well, you remember back in when when Adam and Eve first sinned? And they suddenly realized that they were naked before each other and naked before God and they were ashamed and they hid themselves and they tried to make some fig-leaved clothes to cover up. And and you remember that God killed a little innocent lamb and took the, the, the skin of that lamb. And made clothes for them to cover their shame. That's the very first thing that God did after man sinned, was that he shed innocent blood to provide a covering for guilty sinners. Doesn't that tell you something? And they said, well, I hadn't thought of that. And he said, do uh, you remember the very first promise that God gave to Adam and Eve in the, after they sinned? He said, I will cause hostility between you and the woman to, to the serpent, he's talking, and between your offspring and her offspring, and he will strike your heel. That is, he will give a deadly blow to your heel and you will crush his head. Who do you think he might have been talking about there? I mean, you've said all along, that's the promised Messiah. Well, he says that the promised Messiah would have a fatal wound in order to crush the head of the serpent. Well, I hadn't thought about that. And you remember when Abraham was told to take Isaac? Abraham, the father of your nation, said, take Isaac up and sacrifice him and how he put him on the altar, and when he raised the knife to plunge it into him, God said, wait a minute, stop. Don't kill Isaac. Look over here. And there was a ram caught in the thicket wearing a crown of thorns And he said, take that ram and offer him in place of your son. Does that give you some suggestion maybe, guys, that God was going to provide a substitute to take the place of those who were about to perish? And what about the Day of Atonement when the High priest would bring out those two goats, and one of them, he would cut that goat's throat and pour out the blood on the mercy seat. And the other goat, he would lay his hands on it and confess the sins of Israel and take that goat out into the wilderness, and it would wander and die in the desert. It's called the scapegoat. Do you see that in those sacrifices that somebody had to pay for sin... And somebody had to carry sin away, take it away. Do you think maybe he was talking about the Messiah there? And remember when Moses was in the wilderness and the people were all bit by snakes and they were all dying? And God said, Put a bronze serpent on a cross, on a pole, and hold it up, and everybody that will look, they'll live. And many refused to look. They thought that was silly. Why would a a serpent on a pole give life? And he said, do you think maybe that Jesus, when he died on that cross three days ago, was like that serpent, like that person taking all the sin into himself? And he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw men to myself. And then he probably read to them Psalm 22, where the crucifixion is described a thousand years before anybody was ever crucified. Just read Psalm 22 when you have time. And then Psalm 16, Jesus may have said, as we're coming on up through the Scriptures, and by the way, not not every Scripture, because we'd be here for a week also. But in Psalm 16, the psalmist said, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken. He is right with me. No wonder my heart is glad. I rejoice for you will not leave my soul in the grave or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. Do you think maybe the psalmist was talking about the Messiah there? And then no doubt he took them to Isaiah 53. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. We esteemed him not. Surely, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him the chastisement that brought us peace was upon him. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent. He opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away And when his soul makes an offering for guilt, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. That is, he'll rise from the dead. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And out of the anguish of his soul, he will see and be satisfied. And these men on their way to Emmaus must have been looking at each other saying, We are dummies. How do we miss all this? I mean, well, it's clear. The Messiah came to die and rise from the dead in order that he could take away our guilt and in order that he could give us his life and in order that we could live forever with eternal life. And then Jesus vanished out of their sight. Why? Why, after giving them this wonderful understanding of the Scripture, would he physically disappear? And I'll tell you why, I think. Because he wanted them to believe the Word, not what they could see with their physical eyes. I meet people sometimes who say, well, you know, if I could just see Jesus, if if He could just come to me and, and I could actually touch Him and see Him like Thomas did, then I'd believe. And I would say that's not true because there were thousands of people who saw Jesus after He rose from the dead who didn't believe in Him. And it is not by sight that we're saved it is by faith that we're saved and these men on the way to Emmaus said uh, you know he disappeared because he wants us to believe what he says not what we see and I'm telling you today Jesus loves sinners. That's why he came. He left the glory, the splendor of heaven to come to this wretched planet to be abused, mistreated, nailed to a cross. And he did it motivated totally for the glory of the Father and for the salvation of his people. He did that. And now he issues a call, a general call to everybody. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. But then he gives another kind of call. He gives a personal call, uh, a call that works, as he touches somebody's heart one by one and says, you're mine, come to me. And he said, everyone that the Father has given to me, I'm going to call them, and I'm going to call them in such a way that they'll come. And he's calling some today. All around our planet today, as people are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, The gospel call is going out. And to many people, the effectual personal call is also going out. Come to me. If you're weary, if you're guilty, if you're weak, if you're fearful, come to me and I will give you rest. That's why I came. That's why I died. That's why I rose to give eternal life to all who would believe. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much today for your amazing, marvelous grace that would send your son to such shameful, painful death and agony in order that through his bruising through his death we could have life and I pray that today that like the men on the road to Emmaus that even in a little bit when we break bread that we'll see sense and enjoy the presence of Jesus for it's in his name we pray amen